This is an ABC podcast. In a little pencil case, high up on a bookshelf, tucked just over the ridge so it's out of sight, out of mind, lies, oh, about $200 in cold hard cash. It was such a good hiding spot for my little secret cash pencil case. So good that I forgot it even existed. And when we moved house, nearly lost that money. Nearly totally lost it. Thankfully, the removalists dropped the pencil case without their knowledge and I saw it sitting in the driveway and uh, I found my money. But look, it was one of those hiding spots that was a little too clever, I think. Where do you hide things? You got little secret nooks and crannies or special little hacks? Because we all have secrets, we all have things to hide. But you don't have to hide from me right now because it is the Sammy J Snack Pack and pleasure to have your company for a massive 20 minutes coming your way, including legendary Crowded House frontman Neil Finn, journalist and comedian and Lavoie Pierre, who's going to be talking about chaos reigning supreme in her car and the wonderful Courtney Act taking us through her cultural and audio tips for your week ahead. What a joy, what a thrill. This podcast, I'll tell you what, it might not be the most important podcast out there, but the information it contains is undoubtedly the most important information you will ever need to know. I have no hiding places in my house anymore, Sammy. Why not? My husband, my husband is too tall um, for me to hide anything high. Mm-hmm. My daughter can get into the freezer by herself now. Mm-hmm. And she will also raid the veggie crisper to find cucumber, and they can both smell chocolate from a mile off. No, you do not have to accept that, Claire. Is that your daughter? Chocolate. Yes. <laughs> yes, you've been eating my chocolate, haven't you? <laughs> this is the Sammy J Snack Pack. Don't know if you saw this week. The uh, Australian federal government had a bit of an issue on its hands. They released the new logo for the Women's Network, which basically... It looked like a W, like two big sort of balls drawn next to each other and then a sort of pill shape, a sort of purple throbbing pill shape sort of extending out. So you've got these two sort of balls and then a sort of extension. Uh, it was not a good look, I'm not going to lie, uh, as the internet pounced upon it. And I'm not sure whether it was just a series of puerile minds who were seeing what some saw or whether indeed it was some sort of trolling act on behalf of the graphic designer. But since that was released, they've, they've uh, backtracked somewhat. The logo has been officially put on hold and I like to think I had a small part to play because I reckon the powers that be heard by chat with Dee Madigan, star of Gruen and creative director at Campaign Edge. Dee, it was quite a bold logo, wasn't it? Yeah, I think you were very polite with your description because it looks like saggy balls in a penis. Yep. And nothing nothing says we take women seriously than a logo with balls in a penis. Let's let's look at the context here. The other organisations that have also been announced all have various uh, variations of a pill-shaped design. So that sort of gives it some context that if they were riffing on this theme, it might have ended up here do you think this was a mistake or do you think, like many people are suggesting, it was some troll-like behaviour? I think if you're a government whose accusa- one of the main accusations that's being levelled at you is that you don't take women's issues seriously, probably avoid anything in any of your designs that looks like a penis. I, I take that sort of, you know, I'd, I'd make that a blanket rule. But from a marketing perspective, and I, I would agree that rule sounds sensible, 
I'm genuinely trying to offer the benefit of the doubt here to think, look, you look at it, I didn't see what others have seen the first time I looked at it. Other people have said it straight away. Other people are seeing different things. Other people are, for example, seeing breasts or whatever. Is there a chance it was just a horrible, horrible mistake? Or is that, regardless, that's unforgivable because there should have been enough checks and balances in place? Well, I, I did actually do a ring around my friends and, and most said balls and penis, but some said boobs and some said bum. And do you know what? All three of those, no, not for a logo. You know, so, yeah, some checks and balances. So, look, they're saying it was an internal mm-hmm. thing. So, whoever it is isn't, you know, working in an ad agency. I reckon the wording of the actual um, department is, is weird as well because it's this group of women who I think it's championing cultural aspirational change. It's like it mm. doesn't even mean anything anyway. So, <laughs> I feel like the logo is almost the least of their problems. But if I was this government, you'd be double-checking everything. And normally public servants are the most risk-averse people. I know just because I do government ads and trying to get anything through mm-hmm. is is really difficult. So it is very surprising that at no point did someone look at this and say, now hold on a minute, <laughs> this is a terrible idea. Yeah, my mum had to hide food from seven very ravenous and inquiring children. Mm. And uh, the solution she came up with was the old wheat bits packet, because you put it right in front of them. You shimmy the wheat bits packet out, like the plastic bit. Yeah. You place the Tim Tams down the bottom, oh. and you shimmy the wheat bits back on the top. This is the Sammy J Snack Pack. Back in 2001, a cool 21 years ago, Crowded House frontman, acclaimed singer-songwriter Neil Finn, travelled to Melbourne to do a series of concerts with the Australian Chamber Orchestra. And as part of that, he went on the panel on Channel 10 to promote it. And when he was introduced by Tom Gleisner on the panel, someone in the audience yelled out, Yeah! really loudly. And he looked startled on television. And the security in the studio had to tell that person to calm down. How do I know that? Because that person was me. A very excitable Neil Finn fan there in the studio audience that year. I will have to try my hardest not to startle Neil Finn right now in the same way as I welcome him to the Snack Pack podcast. G'day, Neil Finn. What a great little anecdote to start this interview. I I actually can't remember specifically that, but I'd always be delighted if somebody went, yeah. So I can't, I wouldn't have been... You, I, don't, I didn't think I set security on. No, no, you, you were totally fine with it, but I think they were worried I was going to rush the stage or something. Yeah. Oh, well, that would have been okay too. You know, it would have been good good TV, wouldn't it? Well, I would have thought so, but look, uh, my apologies two decades on, Neil, and congratulations on Dreamers Awaiting, the new Crowded House album. It's a cracker. Thank you. No, I'm, I'm really proud of it and very excited about the prospect of being able to play a few of those songs on uh, on stage soon. But that's something we didn't get the pleasure of Um Due to current circumstances. For sure. You're releasing this album 37 years after you first formed Crowded House. Uh, You famously broke up 10 years later in 96. You reformed in 2007. So on my math, the new incarnation of Crowded House has existed for longer than the original lineup. What's what's the through line? What makes this album a Crowded House album rather than a Neil Finn and Friends album? Well, we dedicated ourselves and I dedicated myself to the idea of a band having um, a currency in this uh, this day and age, and I, and I have had the great pleasure of being in three really good, you know, I think genuinely great bands from my perspective. And um, so there's something about the combination of individuals. I mean, people have got character in the way they play. They bring something to a song that you couldn't have imagined when you write it yourself. 
you can do a really grand job of it on your own and you can bring certain things to, to bear uh, to the music that um, are to your stylings. But sometimes it makes it an impenetrable thing. It doesn't let the light through. It sort of has a, a sheen. I think other people don't get it right in a really cool way. That's what bands are all about to me. And I had that beautiful experience, um, unexpected experience, um, jumping onto Fleetwood Mac's mm-hmm. checkered history. Um, it reminded me that great bands can be reimagined, redefined. The spirit of a band can um, can endure, and it doesn't have, you know, with I think with the fresh personnel of not only somebody, um, one of our pivotal characters, Mitchell Froome from our early days, but the addition of my two sons, who uh, you know carry the spirit of Crowder House deep in their bones and, and their veins, and and have also become incredibly good musicians and songwriters themselves. Oh. It just struck me what a, what a what a fantastic way to bring this thing back to life. Liam and Elroy have both co-written songs with you on the album. They're, they're great tracks, but I wonder what that's like as a father collaborating. Do you have to put aside the parental voice or are you ever tempted to remind them who created them if there's a creative dispute? Well, I, I have an, you know, an ego on board anyway from as being a leader, band leader and songwriter. So there's, it's not so much a father-son dynamic. Uh, we are pretty good now because we've done quite a lot of stuff together at not letting that mysterious kind of um, well of, of darkness <laughs> occasionally. Shout out to all the dads the out there. You know, like families are weird. There's certain things you can't, it's really hard, you can get a well of emotion just talking about something seemingly mm. innocent. We've kind of, we've set that off to the side when we get together with, because um, uh, bands are in a way have always been slightly similar. There's a kind of a, a mystery and an you know, unknown in it. So uh-huh. you can talk about it up to a point, but only up to a point. Neil, you still write occasionally with your brother, Tim. You were in his band. He was in your band. With the benefit of maturity and years of wisdom, what's it like writing with him these days? Is, is it a more relaxed affair, or does it still feel like you're, you're teenagers again scrapping it out? It's it's just a comp- it, it is complex, and it's hard to define. We get together not that often, but when we do, um, it, we usually get something good going because we have some complementary um, attributes, I think, as writers. Tim's quite good at bringing an idea into the mix with a title and or some concept that is it takes the blank page dilemma away from me which is really nice and I can I can riff off that and throw things at him which are unexpected um, you know so we work quite well like that and, and uh, but I think it doesn't always work like that either we'll have days where nothing emerges and you know he's there's a few um, awkward silences and all that because songwriting ultimately is uh, if we knew exactly how to do it, we would be writing, you know, a song a day, um, like Ed Sheeran. Of course, in the early days of Crowded House, you lived in and worked out of Melbourne. One song, Four Seasons in One Day, is often touted as a Melbourne song. Can you confirm or deny? I mean, I, I think it is. I, I don't want to take away anybody else's um, interpretation because it's important to leave things open, universal and all that. Uh, but... It was written in Melbourne, and certainly uh, you would know, and everyone that's been to Melbourne knows that there's those spectacular days where it goes from 40 degrees to about 25 in about 10 minutes, and those big black clouds sometimes roll in, and, and you know, there's a reference to that in the song, the black clouds hanging over the domain. Certainly a Melbourne a Melbourne song, but, it, you know, there's a domain in Auckland as well, and they've been scrapping that one out for a few years now. <laughs> As a, as a songwriter, but also a businessman, I respect your desire to not have it, you know, to have a bet both ways. You don't want to give a definitive answer there. Well, it's not just as a businessman; it's more to do with the romance of a song. You know, songs should be able to be applied to 
um, to, you know, any number of situations. I deliberately leave some of my lines to be open-ended. Um, and I'm not a narrative storyteller because I don't want people to have to concentrate that hard. I just want them to drift away with the words. So, yeah, I don't want Aucklanders to be thinking, oh, this is that bloody Melbourne song, you know. A lot of people hide things in their car. I've been known to do that, you know, around Christmas or birthday times, trying to hide presents from the kids. Goes in the boot, put a blanket over it, hope that they're none the wiser. No doubt they'll reveal in 10 or 20 years they always knew what was in the boot. They had full access via the keys. And, uh... We're not nearly as clever as we think we are, but one person whose car has been a hiding spot for quite a few more things is journalist, comedian, writer, cellist, and a person who really knows what chaos looks like and how chaos presents itself in her life, Ange Lavoie-Pierre. Ange, do you find chaos or does chaos find you? Well, look, I'm someone who's railed against chaos my whole life. Like, I'm always working to kind of banish it to ever further and further frontiers in my life. But there's one frontier that I've never managed to conquer, mm. and and it's the car. Ooh. Mm. What, which, like, as in you constantly crash your car? or No, 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 no. No, if, 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 there's, if there's chaos in my life still, it's, it only ever manifests in my car. It, it's incredibly messy. Like, I, I, ah. I, I mean, I, only, I, I once found... Um, like termites in my car. This is what really alerted me to the fact that... <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, sorry. In my head initially, Angie, I was thinking, oh, there's some French fries on the floor. Ter- no. Well, How did- I mean, okay, take us through the termites in your car. There are some French fries on the floor. Mm. Thank you for noticing, Sammy. Thank you. But there are, there are termites in my car. It's not a wooden car. Um <laughs> So you're not Fred so, Flintstone, just to be clear. No, I'm not Fred Flintstone. It's not a, like an old model Volvo. It, it's but there are termites in my car. Um, so you know, I, I mean, I, I, I guess I discovered that it's it's fairly troubling. Um, you mm. know, there's all kinds of things that are in like it's not. I guess the termites. You know, it's, it's even chaotic trying to talk about it. The, the termites are explicable if you kind of go through the rolodex of what else is in the car as well, like. There's a lot. Because so, so far, Andrew, I will just say so far, you're acting like the termites live over there on that planet and they're completely removed from any decisions or choices that you've made as far as the hygiene of the car goes. But are you about to draw a link between the two? Well, I don't know how they got there. So mm. I found them and then and then I began this sort of exhaustive search for what they might be sur- s- surviving on because mm. it's, you know, you know they, they're quite famously, you know, they have a very limited diet. Mm. So I kind of start going through the car and I, and I find, okay, first, you know, a packet of meat-along sparklers. Now, I didn't put those in there. Let me be <laughs> 1,000% clear. I didn't put those meat-along sparklers in there. Personally, I think they seem dangerous. You know, what if one of the termites had a match? I don't yeah. know. Anything could go wrong. Who put the okay, sparklers well, there? This, you, you're raising too many questions. I know, I know. I I mean, I think I think it's just that... I think it's just that I te- treat my car like an enormous metal go bag. People will relate to this. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I mean, I don't know necessarily how all the items go. Some in there I can vouch for, yeah. some I can't. Um, but I think, you know, you, you, you need your car to, it goes to all these places. It's, it's naturally a chaotic zone yeah, in my you just defense. Need stuff with you know, you. I need a snorkel there in case I wind up at a particularly, you know, deep but still bay. Yep. Um, yep. You know, it has a manicure kit in case my, you know, like there are reasons for things to be there. And then things attract other things. It's like this sort of, you know, chaos attracts other chaos. Like if it's the last frontier for chaos in your life, 
you know, then that's then that's just how it goes. And you can't clean it because nature abhors a vacuum. And so if you clean out the chaos from that that last remaining zone, the kind of chaos magnet, then who's to say what what will fill the void if you create a void? Nature abhors a vacuum. So I think, you know, it's it's dangerous to clean it. It's just a place that ends up being a sort of receptacle, a kind of like final resting place for all manner of things that have no business being in your life. Well, uh, and yeah. Lavoie, Pierre, this has been uh, quite the journey. We're talking about <laughs> moments that, that give you a little hint that life might be chaos. You've just described an entire ecosystem, a universe that is full of chaos, and yet when you close mm. that door behind you, you go about your business as if everything is fine. Does that work for you just finally, and does that work for you as a system in your life? Yeah. I, the peace I feel when I shut the, the car door and, <laughs> hear, and hear the lock click shut is deep and lasting, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. Right, so quite a while ago, I got a novelty beer can which had a pair of socks in it, and it looks like the real deal. So you can remove the lid, and that's where I put my cash, and I keep it in the back of the beer fridge. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is fantastic. Yep. So you keep, so, so this is your own little, you've got like me, a little cashy, little cheeky cash stash. Absolutely. And you keep Absolutely. it in the fridge. In the fridge, and it's a brand of beer that nobody wants to drink. Vivo. So, perfect. Nah, nah. Forex. Nah, Forex. Craft beer. Oh, nah, yeah. Forex is not bad. <laughs> so, I don't, you know what, Keith, I'm just going to come out and say it. I just don't like craft beer. Who's with me? I'm with you. This is the Sammy J Snack Pack. Courtney Act has been gracing our TV screens for a couple of decades now. Kicking off on Australian Idol singer, television personality, most recently seen on Dancing with the Stars, All-Stars edition. So who better to ask for a cheat sheet and find out what she's been seeing, hearing and tasting? Courtney Act, welcome to the Snack Pack. Serious question though, what are you seeing? I'm going to say I've just finished watching Euphoria, um, which I had to not watch after dark because it was just too traumatising. I don't recommend it. If you're, you know, sensitive, because it's a lot of adult themes. Yeah, what's it now? I've heard a lot about it, but haven't yet taken time to watch. What's it all? What's it? What's it all about? You know, it's just a sweet high school drama that involves a lot of trauma, yep. um, sex, intravenous drug use, all of those. Is sorts it like of dark comedy style, or is it, or, or is it just drama straight out? Uh, it's not. It's not dark comedy. No, it's just drama, and it's. Okay. it's Quite traumatic. I don't know why I'm talking about this. <laughs> no, you can talk about what you want. It's the but it was world. one of those things I also couldn't stop. Euphoria. I'm going to check it out. That's the first one. But that was just an easy one for you. Okay, I'm going to go hard now. Okay, okay. Courtney. Okay. What are you <sighs> hearing? What are you listening to? Um, this is a hard one because I feel like I'm still listening to, like, Lady Gaga's Chromatica, which came out in 2020. Um, and then I thought, well, maybe, like, podcasts? Well, no, I so, do so, I got, love me. so I got to jump yeah. in there, Courtney. Like, I've been listening to Crowded House from 1993, so it doesn't have to be topical. This is wow. whatever you're actually listening to. <laughs> this is true. Um, I, was, I was thinking um, there's this podcast by Esther Perel called Where Should We Begin? And it's about love and relationships. She's a couples therapist who specializes in couples, and she doesn't, she's not broadcasting her couples therapy mm-hmm. sessions, but she records this podcast with. Um, couples who 
you know, are obviously happy to be there because if they weren't, yeah. that would be a great breach of uh, patient-client confidentiality. Um, and it's just really fascinating because she will talk to a couple and you hear the first person talk about what their, you know, issue is and you're like, well, that person's obviously right. <laughs> and then you hear the other person and you're like, oh, wait, yeah, oh, oh, I see. Oh, no, there's nuance. There's nuance. There's so much nuance. And then you've got Esther Perel, this qualified professional there to blow your mind away with gems of of wisdom. It's really fascinating. Okay, where should we begin? This is this is lovely. This is basically my excuse just to know what I should listen to over the weekend. So I am going to look that up. Courtney, add final question, the big one. You're not going to survive this. I know you're in bed, but you're just going to be on the floor after this. Oh. Really quickly, what's your tasting? Well, I've been uh, actually um, circumventing the criticism of the millennial generation by making my own avocado on toast. Now, the Women's Network logo wasn't the only social media post that landed the federal government in a bit of humorous bother this week because Prime Minister Scott Morrison also alarmed the nation by posting a photo of his cat. And the caption said, You've met Buddy before but this is Charlie. He's been part of our family for nearly 10 years and he's definitely in charge. Now, aside from the obvious question of is a cat really running the federal government, was the bigger question, we're talking about hiding things on the podcast today. Well, it turns out our Prime Minister has been hiding a cat for 10 years and he's only now chosen to introduce the cat to us. I was as shocked as anyone, but thrilled to discover that Charlie the Cat was willing to come onto the Snack Pack podcast for the first time in public to tell its own story. Midnight, not a sound from the kitchen No one's cooking a curry No one's playing the uke In the lodge light, a sharky's cap is all I can see It's forgotten, just like me memory all alone here in Canberra I can smile at the old days Scott was treasurer then I remember when he stopped the boats I got salmon for tea that's the last time he looked at me then last week He bought a treat and carried me over to the sofa Took a selfie, didn't even ask me And put it up on Insta Daylight, and I'm all over Twitter People mocking my owner Saying why'd you do that There's a war on And flooding has ravaged the nation you lead No one cares About your cat Pat me Take me now to Hawaii Since the whole nation hates me And I can't stand the shame And I know the election is near, but I can predict If you lose it, I'll get the blame 
Ah, it brings a tear to the eye and a furball to the throat, doesn't it? Thanks for your company this week, my friends. Massive shout-out, as always, to Ross Kavanagh for stitching the snack pack together for your consumption pleasure and my radio team. You can tune in wherever you are in Australia to my breakfast radio show on ABC Melbourne via the ABC Listen app, or you can just keep on listening to these weekly morsels. Tell your friends, give it a rate. Have a wonderful week. See you soon.